Hi, I'm Richie Mackay. And I'm David Bolt, and you are listening to The Wrong Bias Podcast. And on today's show, we have David Corkill and Alex Marshall, MBE, and we're taking a bit of a trip down memory lane, a bit of a chat about the legend of Bowles himself, David Bryant, what he brought to the game, what he was like to play against. Richie will have his normal roundup. Also, part of that, we will be doing a competition that is specifically about David Bryant, sponsored by Alex Marshall Sports. Here we are, show number 22, Copper. That's our anniversary. Now, I celebrated my 24th anniversary this week, and that is a musical instrument. So I saved a few quid and I bought our last a penny whistle. <laughs> <laughs> we had our... What, what's 11 again? We, we had 11 on the show, didn't we? So what was it, 11? That was my anniversary this week. I'm going to have to have a, I'll have to have a look now. Not divorce papers. <laughs> divorce. <laughs> 11, 11. Stale. Stale. No, I tell you that, it's fashion jewellery accessories. We're giving out one of them pretend rings out of them plastic eggs you buy out of the sweet machine. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, we also passed a milestone, mate. 10,000 downloads. Fan- amazing, amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, Who would have thought us since November, mate, 10,000. I think we'd be nice. over moon if we're just getting 1,000, mate. We would. That would be nice. By next November, we've got 20,000. It would be uh, a yeah. nice little achievement. But um, apologies a little bit from myself for the missing a week on the podcast. A few bits and pieces going on. Um, I think it's a, it's a case of not wanting to record something just for the sake of it. For the sake of it, yeah. It's it's uh, you, you lo- will lose listeners if if we do that, and it's quality rather than quantity. I think that that's the it way is. we look at it. <clears throat> it is, and I think we've got a you know it's a bit of a poignant show. This one isn't it? It's um, yeah. you know it's such a shame to, to lose who is probably the the greatest known bowler to have a pickable ball yeah uh, we yeah. lost him uh, a few days ago but it's been nice to you know to have Alex and David on the show to, to talk about all the great things so yeah it should be a really really good show yeah now Bulls England sent the questionnaire out about a month ago I think and they got three and a half thousand responses which which they were delighted at from my point of view that's about considering we've got a hundred thousand bowlers around the country three and a half thousand the Facebook page has seven thousand likes so they've got 50 percent of that it's still only three and a half percent of the people who play the game and if Members of your own sport can't be bothered to give any feedback. It's it's a sad state of affairs for me. I mean, it must be... I know Bowles England will be saying, yeah, go off the moon with the response, but I think it's pitiful, three and a half thousand, mate. It is, uh, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, of course it is. It's, um, you know, this questionnaire was, was put in place to potentially make some pretty big pretty big decisions and, and changes to the game with the, the new CEO coming in and, and looking at where the sport's at. And one thing this sport is never, ever short of is people who seem to have an opinion about the way the sport should be and yep. where it should go and twist 
celebrating and mourning and congratulating, you know, without without taking away the people who actually put some really great comments on. I would say they're far outweighed by those who complain about the way things is going. And yeah. how, how many times have we talked on podcasts about affiliation fees and, uh, and things yeah. like that? And three and a half thousand, you know, yeah, there's no excuse any time really, but yeah. it's hardly like we haven't been going through a quiet patch, is it? Well, I, I, I mean, it only takes 10, 15 minutes, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a sport that we all love, it's a sport we all play. I know Boards England are probably, yeah, they're over the moon with it, but I bet you behind locked doors, they're probably burnt. And I think that the new CEO will probably be a bit of an eye-opener for him. I know you can't force people to do things, but no. there's got to be something. And we, we see it with our surveys that we do and we've promoted in the past. I have a talk with a lot of clubs, and, and in my opinion, the disability side of the sport is not promoted enough in counties right across the country, especially the north, which yeah. I, I talk to a lot of my clubs about. And, and then you put a disability survey out there and ask people, you know, who's got a disability within your club, and no. you get nothing back. And, and like I say, we're how many times do we have to keep saying if you wear a pair of glasses it's a disability you're short-sighted or, yeah. and it's just seconds really but you know and, and it's we keep saying it all the time they're there for a reason they're not just there because somebody's sitting in an office and, and looking to fill some time data that comes from these these things can construct a lot of the things that the, the sport can apply for through Sport England right. blah 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 all the funding and all that mate isn't it? it is yeah one request for Boards England if anybody listens to it can we have a county breakdown of how many replies you got back and that'll show us a true picture because you had you had to put your county where you were from, um, and I think that'll give you a true picture of the uh, of the country. How many counties? Thirty-five counties, mate. Five into three and a half thousand doesn't go very far, does it? No. It's a, it's a crying shame, but something's got to be done to start to get you know whether whether it's clubs have got to be a bit more proactive and get the get the members to yeah. to do it or. I don't know. I don't know what the best way to go about it is. Right. But... It's the old saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. And now it's time for two of the game's leg ends to pay tribute to David Bryant. Right then, so on today's show, um, this show is going to be dedicated to David Bryant, who sadly we lost from the Bulls world. And we've got two great friends of the show, uh, David Corkill, who has been on the show previously, and Alex, who's also been on and is a, is a great supporter for, for our podcast. And we thought it was two fantastic people to have talk about David. Personally, I've never had the opportunity to actually see David play balls, but I know Alex and, and David have. So thank you both for coming on to the podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, David. Very happy to. So I think, like I say, I, 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 you know, I know about the man. I used to watch him on TV. You know, we always say this. You can you can walk down the street now and you can talk to people about balls and that people used to watch back in the 80s on TV, which was Tony. And, and David is the is the one that sticks out to a lot of people because the, the cap and, and the pipe and just the aura that David Bryan seemed to have in the sport. Love to hear the experiences you had with David and and what was that aura like? I always compare our sport a lot to snooker, which you know did recently. And you look at the likes of Hendrys and your Davises and your, your Ronnie O'Sullivan's, who are you know people talk about who's the greatest in the game. Alex, you are obviously top of the tree, and a lot of people talk about yourself, 
you know, in this era of what you've done in the in the sport. And then, sadly, losing David, we're seeing a lot of people who also turn around and say that David was one of the greatest players to ever pick up a ball. Uh, and there's no shadow of a doubt about that. So it would just be great to hear your experiences. Um, Alex, I don't know if you would start with yourself. Um, what you knew about David and, you know, a little bit of a discussion about the man himself. Yeah, you know, to be honest, uh, David Bryant was my idol. You know, when I used to watch when I was a, a young boy watching the Bulls on the TV, I used to always just love watching because the, the pipe always drew an attraction, you know, to me with a cap. And I, I actually always thought that it was a pipe that was always lit. But seemingly, I don't know if David will be able to tell me this, but he used that for his concentration levels, I believe, you know, the pipe. And, you know, I was just... Uh, I was honoured to, to, you know, have the, have the opportunity to play against him on a couple of occasions, not very often, but I can always remember uh, I played, played against him in the Scottish Masters, uh, the Woolwich Masters in Aberdeen, uh, and I could not believe I got the opportunity to play with such a, a gentleman and one of probably the, the world's best ever bowler, to be honest. But it was just a privilege to be standing with the, with the man on the rink and on the green, you know, and I could not believe that I was getting the opportunity to play against somebody who I watched and the, the, you know that who was my idol, this, you know the result was going to be irrespective of, of how I felt. But I was just so happy to get the opportunity to play against them. Uh, I, I think I lost on on that occasion, but I just thought that would be all over. You know, that an hour and a half that you know I, I would never forget. But David was that much of a gentleman. You know, after the game, he would always give people the time of day. You know, I thought it'd be a case of shaking hands, walking off the green having a drink, maybe on your own or with maybe one of your friends. But David came up and, and spoke to me and says, would you like a drink? And I could not believe it. And I sat with a conversation for about half an hour. And, you know, that was the type of person that he was. He would give the, the time of day to anybody, whether you were the best in the world or uh, a good international bowler or just someone who actually started the game. But, but yeah, you've got to take your, your hat off to him. Uh, for what he won in the sport, you know, it was unbelievable. I had a look at his achievements, uh, 19 you know, world titles to his name and many more national titles. And but you know, it was I was actually quite sad when I when I heard that he actually passed away because he's a he's a man that I'll that I'll never forget uh, purely because of the the person that he was. He would give everybody the time of day, and he was just such a gentleman and and a master on the bowling green. What was the you know what what was that sort of aura like, Alex? Obviously playing against David. What was it that he did that was just different to everybody else in that era? I just think you know when when I watched quite a number of bowlers you know he had more concentration he was more he was more into what he'd done on the bowling green where you know you, you never really seen David Bryant looking at the left or looking at the right to see what was going on in rank two or rank four but he was always always focused on what he'd done his concentration levels uh, were just second to none and as I say when I was a young kid you know I always aspired to be something like David Bryant but he was just he had something that nobody else had. You know, his skill, his, his touch, you know, everything was just just out of this world. I always remember watching him on TV and, the, and the, you know, thinking back then, the Bulls, I think we talked about it, David, in, a, in, a, in our podcast. I mean, the Bulls back then were the bias were just completely, you know, people wouldn't even touch them with a barge ball. A lot of the balls that you used to play with back in that era because of the bias on them, etc. And regardless whether the greens were a little bit slower indoors or whatever it was, it was a different game then. It was, you know, to the, to the game where used to now is very much attack minded but for me David was that first person that I ever saw that the one ball that you would always hear the crowd go who wow. about yeah. was his drive and was that and maybe this is you know potentially a question for both of you but was that drive did it get that sort of reaction from the crowd because it was a, it was unusual to play that speed of drive at that in that era 
think when you know when it was a small sort of tournament, people would see he was going to drive and didn't react much. But if you had four or five thousand people watching, uh, as there were on occasions whenever I played against him, especially outdoors, it was almost like a ripple going through the crowd because he stood up to play the drive shot and front. And as Alex was saying, it didn't put him off. A lot of modern day players, you know, that's Alex. A lot of modern day players, oh, for God's sake, give me a break here. You know, because there's all the noise going on and everything else. Didn't happen with David. Occasionally, he might step off the mat and go again, or he'd just hold the pose for a moment or two, and then it would come down. Talking about the balls are slightly different. He used a size seven. Now, Alex, you're in your company. Who orders a size seven? <laughs> You'll never ever. We've never ever been asked in my what 15 years uh, recently well, the last 15 years never ever been asked for a size 7 we don't even sell size 5s now yeah they're, they're mainly 3s and 4s now to yeah. be absolutely honest with you yeah. you see these big cannonballs going down I swear to God I have played David many many times I swear to God I didn't want to measure against him ever once because those things looked like they were about a half an inch bigger than the, the fours and fives that I was using. But I played against David the first time back in the late 70s. Um, that's sort of aging me a little bit. But, you know, when you think about it, I was a young teenager playing for Ireland and, and David was skipping for England. So I got a chance to play against him. But the first singles time was about 81. And, um, you know, it, it, it was just a remarkable man. But when I really got to know David was... In New Zealand in 1982, after the Commonwealth Games in Brisbane, there was three or four of us went down to uh, New Zealand to play in a tournament there. And I was rooming with David, and I was 22 years of age. And there was this, as Alex would say, you know, and everybody knows, there's this man who is the god of bowls. You know, and a bed beside, you know, the, the two single beds, you know, with the pipe beside you. And that pipe, and I'll tell you now, like that pipe fumed all day and all night. It didn't stop. We tap on it at night before he we went to bed, cleaned the stadium, and that was it. But as soon as he had up breakfast, the pipe was up again and off he went. And of course, he had a very good contract with Falcon at that time, Falcon Pipes. So there was a sponsorship element to it. But there was also, okay. as almost as you say, Alex, it was also about concentration. Yeah. He used that. Some people use a cloth. You'll see that with various players. Some people use a cap. David used it. And um, it's been very costly to me. A few, like he, he definitely cost me a medal at the World Championships indoors and out. No doubt about that. You know, 21 20 matches. One in Coatbridge, one in uh, one up in Aberdeen in the 84. Um, I've beaten him in, in various matches, but he, he beat me in some big ones. You know, the, he cost me a medal at the Commonwealth Games in 1990. I had to beat him. And, and I was guaranteed either um, guaranteed final for silver gold, but he beat me, and that was it. You know, yeah. I, I was gone because it was so tight in those days. You didn't have the threes going through; you just had the top one played the other top one in, in the sections. And I'd already beaten Rob Carilla, so I had to beat David in the afternoon. Green was run twenty twenty one. Alex, you played New Zealand. You know what it's like. It's a nightmare. Yeah, Wind Wind yeah. yeah, and we were using balls that were going into the other rink by eight, nine feet. And he would come out in the size sevens, trundling along, like something like the Spanish Armada had just put out the side of the boat. Um, and these things just trundled along. And I thought, I'm going three feet outside him. But, you know, it, it was just, it was remarkable. It really was. But uh, again, you know, that's, that's when David was able to do it. And we had some brilliant times. Uh, over the years, um, chatting and talking about bowls. Different era now. You said, David, before about trying to compare eras. I think it's impossible. I, I think what we can say is, in the modern era of the last 20 years, it's Alex without a shadow of a doubt. And 
in the years before that, you can argue all you want between Tony and others, but the reality is David Brandt was the first professional bowler that paved the way for all of us. Yeah. We knew we had to match him, not even in terms of how you played the game, but in your attitude towards the game, your preparation, the way you played it. And unless you could do that, you were never going to be in that elite of 10, 20 bowlers in the world. That's why I never get into comparing eras because the game's changed completely. Like Alex now flies up and down to Australia to play bowls. And, and that's a very hard thing to do because you're moving from totally different surfaces all the time. And of course, there's indoor and outdoor and various other aspects to it. And you use different bowls for different greens. Sometimes different bowls for different rinks on the green. Yeah. They would just use size seven. You always had about three sets in the back of the car. But ultimately, the big trundlers came out. Was he, was David, a, you know, was he ever a man for chopping and changing balls? I don't think he would be, would he? Uh, he did on practice. Right, okay. You know, there was plenty of times at, at places like um, Preston, and and he would arrive in with two or three sets, and then he would decide on what set he wanted. But ultimately, uh, they were they were just they were very very slightly different. That's all, maybe in just running, but very little difference in them. And of course, if you think, Alex, that we weren't playing on you know, the 18-second greens that, that you play now at Cutters and, and Scotland and various other venues, most of the time was down to 15. So you had to have big swinging bowls really to get back because the straight bowls just wouldn't work. There's yeah. an argument they still don't, to be truthful, even on, on fast greens, there's mm-hmm. an argument. But, um, you know, he, he would he would change bowls, yes, he would. Uh, his style of play was different, though. I, I always find that David was... Because I've watched the likes of Alex and Paul Foster and Nicky Brett and all the rest, you almost know what they're going to play because you watch them so much. And you think, well, yeah, I remember him playing this shot, you know, three years ago in the backhand, similar situation, similar circumstance. He'll probably try it again because he knows he can be successful. David Brandt had this awful annoying habit of playing three balls down one hand, getting nowhere, and then change onto the other side of his last ball and nailing the damn thing. Gotcha. Yeah. And that really, really peed me off <laughs> because you were trying to block everything down on the forehand, thinking, well, you know, we've had three, three balls here, there's no way in, the backhand's a pig, and there he goes and changes his hand. Now, I'm not saying he did it once against me. He didn't. He did it constantly. <laughs> Maybe and, that's where you went wrong, David. You've not, been, not, you've not been watching what he's been doing. Exactly, Alex. Without a shadow of a doubt. I don't doubt that for one moment. I really don't. You know, I was in Wales. I was playing. Actually, I think I was playing against Greg Harlow in the Welsh Masters at Connethley. Alex, a place that you just love so much. And uh, <laughs> different story, lads. Different story, you know. Alex's enjoyment of trying to, trying to get through the Welsh Masters. I think he got into the second round once and he beat me to get there. That's that's how bad it was, you know. Oh, no, no, no. I got I got to the quarterfinal one year. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. But I had to withdraw. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, yes, you did. I had to yes. withdraw. I had to go to the hospital and you did. there was nothing wrong with me, but I had to be on the safe side. But, but yeah, uh, it wasn't a, a great venue for me. But yeah, carry on. Fell <laughs> <laughs> over because his wallet was so full. Heard his hip guys, don't worry about it. The uh, so I'm playing against Greg, and I go down to play an important bowl. Who's in the commentary box? David Reese Jones and, and David Bryant. Now you know what David Bryant's voice was like. It was a bit high, West Country, and and, and those days the commentary boxes were not soundproof. They really were not. 
And I lined up in the backhand, and all I heard was this voice coming through. Well, he's lined up in the backhand, and that really is not the right shot to play. <laughs> he really shouldn't be going near that backhand. It's a pig. He won't get this. He really should be playing the forehand with two yards of running. And I just stood on the mat and looked up at him, you know. <laughs> and then I turned around and played the forehand with two yards of running, you know, because he knew. But he was that sort of guy. He just could fit right into exactly what you were thinking and saying to himself, you know, this is this is the way to play this particular shot, especially when you've already played three I, shots in the backhand. I know yeah. this is probably, a, it, it's a, it's a, I always think it's a, it's a stupid or a strange question to ask, but again, I've grown up watching snooker as well as balls and, and you look at, you look at Ronnie and you, this is where, this is where I, I, I agree with you, David, about trying to compare Ronnie to Higgins or to Steve Davis. Different eras, different styles of play. Henry was probably one of the first ones who ran into the red pack and opened the packs up because it was all KG prior to that and it was picking balls off. Henry was the first one to open balls up. Ronnie O'Sullivan is just a, a genius. You know, he's just a natural, natural talent. You could pick a broom shank up and be knocking in a hundred. And that's was David, was he a, a complete natural or did he you know, was he somebody who had to work at his game? And I know that's, you know, it's a, that's why I say it's a strange question. He won multiple world titles, but there's a, you know, a lot of us, you've got to work on delivery, your technical side of the game. Or was he just a complete natural from from day one? Well, probably David Rees Jones in many ways would know this even before I played him in the late seventies. But he was writing his pump at that time because that's when he was winning world indoors. There was a natural talent. There had to be, but. He did put the work in on the green. He was out there practicing. I, I don't know, like Alex maybe could, could add to this because I don't care how talented you are. There's various, Richard Corsi, various others that have been fantastically talented as well. The likes of Alex and, and, and Paul Foster and others, Stuart Anderson, various others. You still have to put the work in because ultimately touch and finesse, if you've got a, a time off or you've got different greens, you have to work out what the difference is. And Alex would probably agree he has to change his bowls occasionally you know if you think back Alex to Cyprus that time um, yeah. when you played there in that outside ring you know, no, was, that, was that the Premier League uh, no it was the, the Cyprus whenever we played oh it was the Pairs final was it the Pairs yes, final yes the Pairs final and you yeah. they just didn't give the two of you a chance no we could not go wide enough if you went too wide you were used to going to the side ditch and if you exactly. came in possibly two three inches off the side ditch you finished five feet narrow yeah, but who's going to bring two or three sets of balls? To well, you can't. Yeah, you can't. because you're limited to what you know luggage you can take over. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas David would have had balls available at every venue virtually, whether he was overseas or not. The manufacturer would make sure they had balls available. Yeah, would have there. Yeah, yeah, he would adapt accordingly to whatever yeah. that is. And I can think back to many, many occasions when various players have had their own balls out there. David still had to put the work in because he had to be confident that he had the right tools for the job and that if he lost, it wasn't because he had the wrong goals or he yeah. didn't do the work. He just lost because on the day, the guy was better. Yeah, 100%. And, and yeah, I think yeah. really that's the way it works nowadays too. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I, I know that my form's not been at my best the last two, three years because uh, obviously I've been doing some other things as in obviously the, the business and going overseas and stuff. Uh, and I know that I've not been putting the same work in as what I used to do. And I, had a, I, I did think it had an effect. Uh, I don't think I was too far too far off my game. But if you're, if you're not at the top of your game in these events, you simply don't win. So that's where you know, you've got to put the extra work in to, to keep yourself you know, at the top of the tree. 
the times I did watch David Bryant play, you know, the, when he was overseas, you know, you used to see him playing in Australia, taking 10, 10 feet of grass, 12 feet of grass. And and to do that with with a wind effect as well, you know, you've got to be pretty good. And Bryant, I thought, Bryant was, was just immaculate at what he used to do. You know, with the wind, you know, his ball's taking 10 feet, 10 feet of green, and he always used to play very good weight. That, that, that was one thing that I used to always notice with David Bryant. His, his weight was always immaculate, always always great weight, and you're trying to give it 10 feet of grass. That, that's hard to do, and that's why he was as, as good as what he was. He had the throws balls out all the time. Yeah. Straight balls weren't there in his day. So that's what made him, at that time, in many ways, the complete bowler. Um, the choice of balls was minimal for a start. He only had maybe two or three sets to choose from. And the secondary aspect was of it, he didn't have to go looking for tight lines because there was no such thing. Because you had to throw the ball out. They had to throw it out in the balance. Yeah. So in many ways, it was less complicated, but it made it better for the guy who was the full, the full shilling in terms of concentration and ability to manipulate his balls. And that's what David was very, very good at. Um, in many ways, it's more complicated now because of the variations in greens and balls. But David did it indoors and outdoors. You see, that's the hard bit to me, David. He, does it, he did it indoors and outdoors. We have great indoor players, fantastic indoor players. Some of them don't even play outdoors. And to get the complete bowler, in my opinion, you have to have some sort of a history of success in the outdoor as well as the indoor. That's where Alex comes into it, because it's indoor and outdoor. It's, it's the complete bowler as opposed to just an outdoor player or an indoor player. And, and Bryant, in his era, for 20, 30 years, was the complete bowler. And there'll be more from the lads in five. Welcome to Richie's Roundup. Cue the music. The Bulls Development Alliance have appointed Lisa Graham as their new managing director. The BDA have followed the AIBA and Bulls England in bringing in a non-bowler as Lisa joins from British Cycling. Staying with the BDA and the sport took another step forward as the British Crown Green Association confirmed that they are going to rejoin the BDA. This will now mean that all three national governing bodies are working alongside the Bowls Development Alliance. Bowls Scotland have confirmed a total of £6 million was awarded via the Small Business Bonus Schemes to clubs during the COVID-19 pandemic. Approximately 573 clubs received funding from various schemes. And Bowls Scotland have confirmed that the selected squad for the cancelled World Bowls Championships will remain the same when the event eventually takes place in September 2021. The squad is Ronnie Duncan, Derek Oliver, Darren Burnett, Paul Foster, Alec Marshall, Stacey McDougall, Kay Moran, Lauren Bailey-White, Dee Hogan and Claire Anderson, with Jason and Carla Banks as the travelling reserves. And news from Ireland. 
Affectionately known as the Hulk, Neil Mulholland has decided to retire from elite balls. Neil is the only player out of Ireland to have won medals at the Commonwealth Games, World Bowls, Atlantic Rim and Champion of Champion singles. Neil will still be available for the international team. And as the indoor season approaches, the EIBA have been busy busy bees as they have issued version 5 of their guide to a return to indoor balls. They've also penciled in dates for the national competitions. The singles and pairs will get underway in mid-October. The triples and fours, January 2021, with the county and club events also starting in January 2021, with the finals set for April 2021. Plans to play off the 2019 national championships have also been put in place. Fingers crossed they will be played during November. Now it's a trip down memory lane. We go back to 1988, the Outdoor World Championship singles final between David Bryant and Willie Wood. It was the days of 25 up, it was 22 apiece, they've gone off for an hour and a half's rain break, cue the commentary. Bryant going for the shot bowl. Gone. He's got it again and he's got both the Scottish bowls out, David Bryant is the new champion of the world. What a shot, what a result. David Bryant has won the championship of the world for the third time. I'd, I'd done everything right and I finished up with no balls on the green. David Bryant didn't even know he had won. Uh, he drove all, all my balls, just went off the green. Uh, an incredible shot. More lucky than accuracy, I would say, but that's the way the game goes. And I decided that as I had two bowls left, I would drive at the bowls, and if I dipped underneath, I'd get the jack. So I, I drove, I drove at the bowls, and I took them, the two of them, off the green, and my own bowl stayed on. So Willie has got one bowl on the green, and I've actually got the shot—not a very good shot, nothing anywhere near the jack. So Willie draws the shot with his last bowl, but he bowls it just short of the jack again. And I look at it and I think, well, if I drive this wood out, I get the shot. If I go underneath and I hit the jack, I might get three. So I drove it and I hit it again and I drove it through onto his other bowl. That took his other bowl out and my own bowl and, and his, his bowl stopped. And my own bowl followed through, hit his bowl again and it was off the green. He didn't have a wood on the green. And I had three woods on the green and uh, that was it. And now we return to the second part of our David Bryant tribute. He was, for the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s, the number one choice. And 1990 Commonwealth Games, he was the number one choice for singles. He wasn't allowed to play in 82. Think about that for a moment. Why was he not allowed to play in 1982 at the Commonwealth Games or in 1986? Even though he commentated on the 82 Cause one. Because he, he was a professional. Exactly. And that, that, to me, said so much because that said he is the first true professional bowler because he yeah. wasn't allowed to play and we were all there everybody else there bellis was there um willie wood was there you know, all the other guys were there david's father was there won a gold medal in the pairs as well david Gurley senior so we were all there came to 86 the edinburgh commonwealth games and none of us were there because we weren't allowed to play because the 86 commonwealth game was really weird for bowls and again, David missed out on 82 and 86. Who's to say he wouldn't have won medals there as well? He probably yeah. would have. Guaranteed, yeah. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. And uh, and then they didn't see, but he was still coming back then, back into 1990. He was still England's number one 
for the Commonwealth Games singles. That's a remarkable history. Yeah. It really is. That's a stunning history. That to be able to go through the 80s without playing a Commonwealth Games level because of being banned effectively, that he was able to still hold that number one position to 1990. Um, that, 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 to me, says everything about the man and, his, and, and, and the standard he was playing at. There's that argument that you're better because I, I think the thing is that whilst David you know, did everything, won all those titles, and you've won you know, a couple of dozen of them in terms of world titles and stuff in various ways, but what he did do was he was the first. He was the first truly professional sportsman in bowls. After that, as time went on, we all tried to become very professional. And if you look at the way the vast majority of the guys go into, into tournaments now, doesn't matter what it is. But I'm not saying all of them, because some of them do frequent the, the Sherbets maybe a wee bit too much on occasions. But if they're going into a big match the next day, they don't. And they are professional. And they put the work in. They look right. You don't see them going out scuffy on ass. They look right. They look professional, and they bring that attitude in. You're competing against a whole lot of people that are doing the same thing then. David wasn't. In many ways, David was playing against great players. But it had to be somewhere like Australia with the likes of John Snell and people like that who were very professional down there. And um, in and, and those days, they had some great Robbie Dobbins and a whole host of other people that were very professional. But the vast majority of players, even at international level, you know, it was three or four days away. That's what it was. That's yeah. not the case anymore. You know, Alex has to face up to the professional players for the last 20 years, the same way as Paul and Nicky and all the rest of the guys doing Stuart and everything else. And you, you have to bear in mind that the likes of Stuart Anderson, well, he's still in his 20s, isn't he, Alex? You know, he's, like, he's still young, you know, so... He's only half my age. Well, exactly. He's, he's coming through, you know, and he's already won the world singles twice indoors. Yeah. And a very accomplished all-round player. So, Definitely. You know, you've got players like that, and you go out and you think to yourself, if, I, if I'm not 95% here, at least, I'm not going to compete. You know, and you might need to be nearly 100% to win. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's what you're up against now. So if you're going to com- you know, compare eras, you have to bring all of this into the mix. It's not just enough to look at titles. It, it, it's much more important to look at the era you were operating within. And you're operating within now, and um, and that's why I, I I look at it, and that's why I assess players. And I would say some players are fantastic in those players, but it's the all-round player to me. It's the all-round player, likes of Alex, that that makes you be the best at the era that you're in at that particular time. And I, I just hope I can be as good as David Bright was. Absolutely. And I think the, the biggest deciding factor that I have in, in all sports is it's that sports person or that competitor who makes the group below want to get that bit better. And for me, in bowls in that era, I've got no doubt that everybody looked at David Bryant and said, I want to get, he is where I need to be to be at the top of the sport. Everybody looks at Alex, says exactly the same. I've always said this, I think, in my lifetime, obviously the 25 years since I was born, <laughs> we've had some unbelievable, unbelievable talents in, in all sports that you can only just look at and if it wasn't for them then I don't think those sports would be in the position they are now and, and, and certainly from my point of view and, and Alex hit the nail on the head at the start he was an idol for Alex at the start there would be a lot of people who think the same about you Alex 
and it's a constant sort of cycle of just people who have just got this something completely different about them that drives the sport on a continuous basis. Um, and and that, that's how I kind of think of David Bryan back in the day. For all I didn't see him, he was the man who everybody talked about when I first started to play the sport. And, you know, he, he still talked about it this day. And it's just such a sad thing that we've obviously lost him, but he will certainly never be forgotten. We've had that era of David Bryan, which which we're talking about and how great it was. And I was very lucky to travel the world with him on occasion and play against him many, many times. But we can respect the, what David Brand has done for the sport. Uh, he's a he's a man that will be that'll be sadly missed uh, for what he done in the sport. Uh, I'm sure he kept a lot of people happy, you know, o- over the years with his uh, performances uh, around the world for you know for England. But you know, there was a couple of things that, that really got me uh, during my career when I when I got my MBE in 2007. Uh, a couple of days later, I got a, 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 quite a lot of mail coming through the through the door, and I got a, a beautiful letter from David and Ruth. I've always, yeah. Uh, and when I read that, you know. To get a letter from such a gentleman who's been a legend in our sport, who's been the greatest, uh, and that's that's something that will stay with me, you know, for as long as I live. You know, uh, it was a beautiful written letter, and from there on, every other year I won the, the first, you know, I was the first person to win the, the singles for the fourth time. And again, through the post, I got another lovely letter. And, you know, these are things that I'll always uh, treasure and remember, you know, David Bryant for. And as well, being such a gentleman, you know, on the green and, and the legend that he is, he's, he's simply a man that I'll never forget during my lifetime. It's, it's, that, it's that thought process that he did, things like that. Um, I have a letter also from David and Ruth. Um, after UK singles and um, it was just an absolute delight of a letter it really was you know in, a way, it, in many ways it was quite uplifting because he beat me in the final and he sent me a letter and um, it took me a long time to win that title afterwards but you know it, it, you sort of treasure those and I still got it you know, all these years later, 30 years later, I've still got that letter and, and it yeah. will continue with me, obviously, sometime. But, you know, it, it's things like that. And I know he's written to other players as well, uh, congratulating them and, or commiserating on various things. But for him to actually think about that next era of yourself, knowing that he's left his era behind. Yeah. You know, that, that to me is special. And, and we don't get that very much nowadays. We really don't. And um, I, I can't imagine too many sports where that actually happens. So I think from a, you know, from a Bulls perspective, um, we're probably all coming from the same era. And when I banter about, you know, Alex agreeing with me or David agreeing with me or whatever, because I can be occasionally controversial. But, but the reality is we've still got sport at our hearts. You know, that, that's what the game's about. We still love it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be involved in it. Absolutely. We'd walk away. And um, and even when Alex slides away at some stage, God knows when, 10, 20 years or whatever, he'll still be involved. You know, like he won't, he won't walk away from bowls and think, well, that's, that's that. You know, he'll still be involved somewhere along the line. That might be coaching the kids, coming through at under 25s or international or whatever, but there still will be an involvement because it's very hard to walk away from this sport. It gets under our skin, and um, and it's very difficult to walk away from it. It really is. It could be It could be just something as simple, Alex, as a, you know, a very similar thing from yourself to an up-and-coming young, young bowler. A couple of words in a letter or a card could just make the difference between somebody going and, you know, 
making it as a bowler or a top class bowler or not. And you know, it's it shows the caliber of, um, of David, obviously, uh, yeah. to still think about people after he's left the sport and uh, to take the time to obviously send you those those words. Um, it, like I say, I, I didn't know David. Just just listen to you talk about him. It's it's um, it sort of just backs up everything that I ever thought about him and. Um, you know the, the the persona that he that he portrayed as well, but um, well, it's been an absolute tremendous conversation. I, I really have enjoyed. Like I said, it's been an absolute blast. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very yeah, it's much. Been great, great stuff. Thanks tonight. again, guys. Thanks, Thanks Alex. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, guys, all the best. Yeah, yeah, take care. See ya. And it's competition time. Thanks, as always, to Alex Marshall, who's obviously been on the show today. As today's show is focused on David Bryant, he was known as DJ Bryant. So all we want to know is, what did the J stand for? What was David Bryant's middle name? Please send your answers either by email to wrong.bias at hotmail.com, a message on Facebook Messenger, or on Twitter. Just drop us a line and your entry will go into the competition and we will do the draw prior to the next podcast. Right, mate, there we go. Number 22 over and dusted. Crack and chat with David and Alex. Really enjoyed it. It was good to catch the stories. An hour and 36 minutes later, we, we looked at the clock and we couldn't believe the time, could we? Just absolutely flew over. Yeah, I mean, like we said, uh, David Corker was just getting his second wind, mate. Well, I started to see that big key in his back starting to slow down, so I knew he was uh, <laughs> I knew he was winding down a little bit in the spring was starting to release. <laughs> I'm, sure he had a, I'm sure he had a pint of Guinness knocking around somewhere. Ah, he's great. He's got some great stories, dude, and he's uh, always great to have him on the show, uh, as well as Alex. It's um, As always, just felt like a, just a, a nice casual chat, and you know, we ended up getting a lot of great stories out there and feeling about obviously who the show's all about Mr. Yeah. Brian speaking of Mr. Brian I have put a link on our Facebook page um, I came across a YouTube two and a half hour show uh, The Story of Bowls presented by David Bryant and believe it or not it's called John Reese davis and I'm going I'm sure that's Reese Jones <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who John Reese davis is. But anyway, I, I recommend people to watch it because there's some absolutely classic clips of the great man himself, Alec Marshall at Manchester in the Commonwealth Games and the first time that Alex won the, the World Indoor Singles when he was a young-looking 31-year-old. The, the clips are great. And finally, we're going to, on our website, there will be a Indoor National Championship predictor. It's a bit of fun. It's The winner will get a 4K fire stick. The details will be on the website. You just click on the link, pick out the winners of the singles pairs, triples and fours and two balls from the men's and women's national championships that hopefully, fingers crossed, are going to take place in November. As I say, the winner will get the fire stick. The run, whoever finishes bottom will, will send them some merchandise. Details will be on the website. Well, that's yeah. it, mate. Looking at the time, it's quarter past ten at night. You've just finished your tea. It was I haven't finished it yet. You haven't finished it yet. Oh, it's, a, it's a little bit cold compared to what it was at quarter yet. He's been going at it, folks, for two and a quarter hours. It's it's probably the I'm sure podcast. The chicken, I'm sure the chicken's come back away. <laughs> it's probably the podcast where he spoke the least, and it's probably going to be about ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the two of us have been sitting back lying. <laughs> 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 
Smoke. Bring, like, bring a back seat, Richard, and listen to the two guys talk. Smoke and jacket and slippers on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but never mind, mate. It's been a good one. Until, until the next time. Great stuff. Take care, all. Cheers, folks. And it's only fitting the great man has the final word. The best advice is to go out and practice your delivery until every ball you put down is delivered identically. Um, any variation um, that you have with a result, with your results, can be can be due to things on the green. But you don't want things in your delivery varying as well because that makes it doubly difficult. So groove your delivery so you can put one after the other down the line until it's perfect. And then it, it's between you and the green. We're breeding the green and tackling the green. Thank you for listening and hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been a dodgy production.